This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we will be talking with Rachel Rabinor about infertility struggles and the potential impact on mental health for mothers. We will talk a little bit about the types of infertility, as well as some of the options available to assist in becoming pregnant and having a baby. With our conversation today, we really want women, partners, and families to know that they're not alone, that there is support available for them, and hopefully to continue to reduce the stigma and sometimes the shame that comes with infertility struggles. So a little bit about Rachel Rabinor. She's a psychotherapist and licensed clinical social worker. She has a private practice in San Diego, California, where she specializes in maternal mental health. She also provides trainings to birth workers, including doulas, nannies, lactation consultants, midwives, and other allied professionals. Rachel serves on the board of San Diego's Postpartum Health Alliance, where she co-chairs their outreach efforts. Their current work focuses on training prenatal birth providers on the risks, signs, and symptoms of developing perinatal mood and anxiety disorders so that they can help prepare their clients for the adjustment to motherhood and decrease the likelihood of developing a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. Rachel started her career in New York City working at a pregnancy prevention program. After many years in prevention, she began working with pregnant and parenting teens and their families in San Diego. After giving birth to her first child, she knew that someday she would start a private practice serving all women transitioning to motherhood. What she didn't know at that time was how her own subsequent journey through secondary infertility would shape her future practice. Rachel is a member of Resolve, the National Infertility Association, and is in the process of starting an open, supportive, and judgment-free group in San Diego for those struggling with primary or secondary infertility. Thank you so much for being here, Rachel. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me today, Kat. Yeah, this is great. I'm so happy to have you on here to talk about infertility. You know, in terms of maternal mental health stuff, things that happen for moms during the reproductive period, infertility is a really, really hard 
thing to talk about for a lot of moms and a lot of people. There's a lot of feelings that come up around these kinds of struggles. So I'm really glad you're going to share some information with us today. It's true. You know, Kat, infertility is one of those things that really isn't talked a lot about. And so I'm really happy to be here and to talk more about it. Yeah, great. And I mentioned in your bio that you had your own journey through secondary infertility and that that has shaped where you've gone with your own work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So when my son was born in 2010, without a hitch, thought I'd get pregnant, textbook birth, home birth. Really, it was what I had imagined that motherhood should be. And then I went on to have three recurrent miscarriages in a 12-month period, which really blew me out of the water. I just really did not see that this was going to be the course that my life would take. The expectation for easy birth was set high after my first child, and it was a huge, huge challenge, really devastating for both my husband and I. Right, absolutely. And I think that's uh, the feeling that comes for a, a lot of women when they're going through infertility struggles is that that devastating, that grief that comes up around loss. Yes, yeah. There's so much loss. You know, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but there's really, even going through secondary infertility, there are different losses but than primary infertility. But loss is something that really permeates all women and men who are struggling with infertility. All right. Absolutely. So how did your experience kind of shape how you went into the work? For one, I feel much more aware of the reality that infertility affects one in eight couples in the United States. Almost 10% of the population are dealing with this, which is something I was pretty ignorant about prior to my own experience. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of people, you know, and it doesn't discriminate against ethnicity, religion, your racial background, you know, someone that you know is likely struggling and maybe it's you. So I became much more empathic, that's for sure. Never assuming that somebody wasn't having a child by choice or never asking a woman, when are you going to have your second child? Being much more cognizant of the fact that people all around us are likely struggling and you never know who it is because it's silent. It's invisible and people don't talk about it. Right. So you were already in the field. And it sounds like like a lot of us who've had an experience weren't given much information about how infertility and secondary infertility impact mom's mental health or family's mental health. No, no. You know, I was working with teens when I experienced my own infertility. And there are some risk factors for teens. And infertility isn't typically one of them. So I did have some clients occasionally who would experience a miscarriage, but it was definitely not as prevalent as the one in eight that exists in the larger society. So no, I didn't receive any specific training for around infertility, but it did cause me to go and seek more additional training around maternal mental health. And infertility. Yeah. So for people who are listening, maybe there are some folks who know a lot about this already, infertility and what that is, but certainly there may be some people who are just finding out about it. Can you give some sense of what the difference is between, we talked about primary infertility and secondary infertility and what that means? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So infertility is the inability to conceive or carry a pregnancy to term after one year of trying to conceive or the inability to carry a pregnancy to live birth. 
So if you're over the age of 35, the time of trying to conceive is reduced to six months. The added piece with secondary infertility is the inability to become pregnant or to carry a pregnancy to term following the birth of one or more biological children. So that birth also would have been conceived without the assistance of any reproductive technologies or fertility medication. So that's the difference between the two. Yeah. So in order for people to get the information about infertility, they're not finding out just anywhere. They have to really look it up and go seek out these answers. It's true. You really hit the nail on the head because my own personal experience was exactly that. I can distinctly remember I was at my job. I was in our little communal room and I was chatting with one of my colleagues who I was fairly close with and knew she knew I'd had at least one miscarriage at that time. And she shared with me that her sister, as she said, also struggled with secondary infertility. And I thought, what? What, what, what is that that you just said? <laughs> I had no idea it had a name. And so that's sort of how I became aware that secondary infertility was actually a thing. Mm. And then, of course, I hit Dr. Google and <laughs> learned everything that I, I thought I needed to know. And it was intense. <laughs> right. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that followed two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Right. Well, you know, other than hitting up the internet, you know, where would we learn about this stuff? Where should we be learning about this stuff? Thank goodness there's a podcast like this, really. <laughs> I mean, even while I was dealing with my secondary infertility, I tried to talk about it at the park where my child was playing mm -hmm. and be really open and reduce the stigma around it. But it's hard. It's hard for people to 
listened to. So yeah, and then after I had my second child, still people love to ask me, how's that age gap? And so that's always the conversation. It never goes away, right? My Mm -hmm. secondary infertility never goes away. And I do gauge, of course, whether they really want to know or whether I'm just going to take this opportunity and tell them. (laughs) Let me just tell you what's really going on. Yeah. Ah. Yes. You were asking, so where should people learn about this, right? And I think the real answer is from our friends, from our community, from the people that we're close with that can say, my friend experienced this, or I've heard of this, or, Mm -hmm. but it takes a level of comfort for people to really share what they're experiencing also. Right. So maybe that is a good intro into the impacts that infertility has on our mental well-being. Because I think on some level, what we're alluding to is this shame and guilt that comes along, among other things. So what do you think are the main impacts on mental health for the mom and for the family, the partner, who all the people who are involved? How does this affect them? Yeah, that's a really big, important question, because each person, each couple is different and how they interpret their own experiences and how they process their experience is different. But some of the common ways that people are impacted emotionally are the loss. That would be one of the biggest ways that people experience infertility. There's losses of pregnancy and the birth experience if they haven't had that and they are just wanting that. The potential loss of a genetic link, the loss of the parenting experience the loss of a grandparent relationship. So Mm. thinking about your parents and thinking about what you had yearned for, for them in a certain stage of their life, you may feel that they're ready for that relationship. Your loss of stability in your own family, because Mm -hmm. as people going through infertility know, it can really take over so much of your thinking and your actions and Mm -hmm. just your everyday life. Yeah. Your loss of your work productivity, loss of a sense of spirituality. People who have a really strong connection with spirituality may start to question higher Uh power and how this is happening and why this is happening. So along with loss comes grief sometimes. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is really aware of what those symptoms look like. And it's good to be aware of how it might show up. Things like lack of energy, headaches, irritability, sadness, Mm -hmm. your inability to concentrate, maybe even insomnia. Um, These are all symptoms of grief that people may experience while figuring out and coping with these different losses. Thank you for highlighting that. And it's so important because, you know, I wonder, having not gone through infertility myself, I wonder how hard it must be to figure out what is going on after a loss or you know, should I be feeling these things? What does this mean? Also, they're going through hormonal changes too without getting into the science and stuff like that. But there's quite a lot going on. Yeah. So this is really good for people who are listening or for people who love someone who's dealing with this or may be mm-hmm. dealing with this to be looking out for these symptoms of grief and loss. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Sure. So what are the other things that a mom might be feeling or a family member might be feeling? So denial maybe shock or numbness, like kind mm-hmm. of thinking this can't really be happening or this, you know, hope of next month that we're going to be successful. And that might really change over from that feeling of being successful to feeling anger and maybe even mm-hmm. guilt. And so that's something. Anger is, as I just said, another yeah. emotion that people deal with, feeling really vulnerable and helpless, maybe both. Yeah. 
you know, feeling that you don't have a lot of control over your life or your body, your future. You know, previously you might have been really experienced, you know, professional, had a lot of success when you work towards something that you want, you achieve it. And here's something that you want desperately and you feel really powerless. And that can make people feel vulnerable and help us, like I said, Mm -hmm. and maybe angry. Sure. Absolutely. So these things that are at this point, they're realizing that they can no longer, whether it's primary or secondary infertility, Mm -hmm. realizing that they can't control the outcome or predict what's going to happen and really coming. Yeah. I know for myself, you know, feeling this intense frustration, wanting to provide sadness and frustration, wanting to provide a sibling for my child. And, you know, in my head, I had this age spacing that I thought that I would strive for and being unable to carry that out and unknowing whether I would be able to have another child for myself and for my family. Yeah. Okay. And there's just a lot of kind of recalibrating and refiguring out all of the things that you specifically, but also people who are dealing with this, what they imagine their life would look like and not knowing what it's going to look like in the future. Yes. Mm -hmm. The unknown, right? Most of us really like, you know, we were, this society sort of breeds us to have a plan for the most Mm -hmm. part. And if you've made a plan, if you've gone to college, if you've decided that you want to have a family, if that's your plan, whatever your plan may be, once Mm -hmm. you have an expectation of that, you're being set up for a disappointment if it doesn't go as planned. That's so true. And I'm glad you bring up the societal pressures because that just is really high. So I'm thinking specifically in terms of the societal pressures for moms who are told things like, oh, well, you were only two weeks along or it was only eight weeks or you already have a child or you, you know, the the moms who do feel like can say something are often kind of maybe outrightly dismissed, but certainly, you know, made sometimes made to feel like their concerns or their experience shouldn't bother them. Right. Yeah. That is really one of the hardest things that people struggle with is how to navigate society, how to Mm -hmm. tell people what you're experiencing and get the kind of support that would be beneficial. Uh Because hearing those things, uh, you know, I alluded to it a little bit earlier about people who have a very strong sense of spirituality and trust and faith in a higher power, they often really start to question, they can start to question that, especially when you hear people saying things like, oh, well, I'm sure that's how God wanted it to be. Or now you have an angel watching over you. Mm -hmm. These statements can be very hurtful because when you're going through a loss, whether it's a miscarriage or infertility, and it's just not going to the plan that you have imagined Mm -hmm. for your family, these aren't comforts. (laughs) These are not comforting things to hear. So... Yeah. Great. Right. And it can often be hard for moms to say too that, you know, actually that's not helpful or you're oh. hurting my feelings. You know, we are often in a position of just having to kind of take what people say sometimes, which is also disempowering. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a, you know, a way to say like, hey, actually that's not cool. Please right. don't say that. Or, or to be able to know what you do need can be hard too mm-hmm. from people. So in terms of, you know, there's so many, I think, topics that we could to discuss within infertility, you know, moms who are coming up against maybe either being diagnosed with infertility or secondary infertility or wondering if they have it or not are then on to thinking oftentimes, what are my options? What can I do? What are the things that could help me have a child that I want to have? So let's talk a little bit more about 
the depth of feelings and emotions and things that might be coming up for the moms who are dealing with this? Yeah. You know, I see a lot of women who are struggling with the guilt and some shame around their infertility. The feeling that you're a failure, that this is something in some way your body has failed you. You're failing your partner, your parents, siblings, other people who are anticipating this child. This kind of goes really deep into how you begin to function in the world then, right? Right. And how you're perceiving yourself as a failure. And it Mm. can be a real challenge for moms to increase their self-esteem and to start to feel positive about life in general, let alone the possibility of having a child. Right. Wow, that is pretty deep. And I think maybe we touched a little bit on maybe there's not a space for them to be talking about this. Maybe this is being held just internally and no one's really understanding the depth of a mom's experience. Yeah, it's a very private experience for many people. A lot of men and women, I would say men in particular, really suffer in silence. But both, Mm -hmm. both men and women, Mm -hmm. a lot of silence here around infertility. And this can lead to depression, right? Being so isolated and month after month of waiting and hoping. Mm -hmm. Sure. And anxiety as well. Every time, you know, maybe just thinking of the mom who's trying to get pregnant and, you know, checking the pee sticks and checking whatever's on the calendar. Mm -hmm. When can I, you know, any dates or just anticipating, you know, what's to come or hoping. Yes. And feeling anxious once you are pregnant right? About losing the pregnancy, about what may or may not happen. All kinds of opportunities, unfortunately, to feel a lot of anxiety through the process of discovering that you're dealing with infertility. There's such a battery of tests that men and women have to go through. And then to learn that there's what it is, is infertility and not knowing what that future will hold right? The ambiguity of it all. Right. And there's so many things that could be going into a diagnosis of infertility and all of that. And maybe I'd like to have you back again to talk about those things, some more of the details about what all of this means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that moms can have an and partners and families can have another resource to understand this. But I think the overall story that I'm hearing and that I think other people are understanding is that this is not just like, oh, well, it, you know, it didn't work out this time. There's a deep and sometimes very unsettling and sometimes very devastating process that occurs after multiple losses sometimes. It can be a lot of losses. A lot of, you know, each month that a woman goes through where she's trying to conceive and doesn't, each of those two-week waiting periods, it's just fraught with anxiety, right? Right. Waiting, wondering, how soon can I test? How soon can I test? And then you get the positive test and they're still waiting because it's a long way to go from, you know, two weeks till 10 months. (sighs) Yeah, absolutely. So the things that moms and partners can be looking out for, like you mentioned, depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. symptoms of grief, sadness, What are some additionally other things that they could be looking out for? And if they are noticing any of the things that we've talked about, what are some good options for them on how to manage and how to cope? I asked a couple of questions (laughs) there. Yeah, those are some great questions, Kat. One other emotion that I think is worth talking about is jealousy. It's an emotion that nobody really likes to feel, but it's really common. And it's a common emotion for people experiencing both primary and secondary infertility, which is jealousy. 
Mm -hmm. And watching your peers go on to have children easily or not to move on to the next stage of their lives while you're still stuck in a place you don't want to be can really stir up feelings of jealousy. And it's possible to feel happiness for them too, but that jealousy, that underlying peace, it's normal for people experiencing infertility. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's a hard one. Oh, I'm so glad you're giving light to this and speaking to this. I have heard this sort of like whispered around, you know, and there's even the shame and guilt about being jealous. It's just Mm -hmm. like, how much more can we pack on to how bad this feels? And I'm so glad that you're talking about it and normalizing it that, yeah, of course, like something's happening for somebody else that you are working so hard to get. And that you can have both and feelings. You can be maybe both jealous and be happy for somebody else at the same time. Yeah. But that feeling, the jealous feeling is something to honor. I don't know if that's the right word to pay attention to, to give space to. Yeah. It can feel lonely. That can really further isolate people because you think, oh, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to put myself in these situations. And I think, you know, you asked about what, kind of coping strategies and how to manage some of these experiences. And one of the things I really do like to talk to clients about and had to take some acknowledgement for my own self was to not always put yourself in a place where you were really confronted with such challenging, difficult situations all the time. So what I mean by that, it's a little roundabout, but taking some self-care, not feeling like you have to show up to events that are going to put you in a position where you're 
feeling jealousy and sadness, going to baby showers that maybe you can opt out of, or even dinners with friends where they're talking about their children all the time. You don't have to go to that. You don't have to put yourself in those situations. So taking care of yourself is something that I really spend a lot of time working with clients about and developing maybe some new habits and new activities that are more fulfilling for this particular time in their life. Right. So you're saying that really taking stock of how they're feeling right then, maybe in relating to each different invitation they're going, each place they've been invited to go, if they know it's with a group of people who are going to be talking a lot about things that are very painful for the mom to hear that, you know, to opt out. To give yourself permission, right? I also think giving yourself permission to cry and to be angry and giving permission for your partner to feel and cope differently than you. That's important because we don't all process things the same way. I like to make sure that my clients and something I really tried to do myself, it was hard, but to send information and to maintain communication with my family and my friends, to let them be a support for me. And sometimes you do wind up in those conversations where people say things that can be hurtful. But sharing information, sharing what is helpful, ultimately the people who are really close and important in your life, that's what they want. They want to find ways to support you. So we can't necessarily change the random person on the street, but those who are near and dear to you, they want to support you. They want to be there. Right. And they might not know the best way to do that. Like we were talking about in the beginning that sometimes people say things like, oh, well, at least you have another or you were only three weeks along. Those people might be coming from a good place, but the execution or how it comes out is not helpful. And that happens, you know, with family members too. So, you know, sometimes when we're in the position of being in pain and then also need to teach other people how to handle it, that can be really hard. But it sounds like with things like you're doing, like having developing support groups and helping moms to navigate this is seems pretty important. And it sounds like therapy and getting that specific support is one way that a mom can manage this. Yes, that was definitely getting support. A great resource for those around the country is Resolve. There's a link on their page to finding a support group. And so hopefully there's one close to you. And there's lots and lots of support groups online. So those are great ways to connect with other people who are experiencing similar things, going through primary or secondary infertility, like to talk about all of the different options and to really be there for one another. And it's an invaluable resource. And That's great. Yeah. So there's a lot online. And in your local community, you're starting up a group. You're in the process of working on that. And can you talk a little bit more about what you do specifically, what you're going to be doing in the group or in your practice and and supporting moms? Sure. You know, in my practice, I help women and their partners to really navigate their own process and their own experience through their infertility journey. And so whether that means really analyzing what their next steps are to navigating the communication with their partner or their family members. Really, I just want to be a support for them during this stage. I do help. And one of the other recommendations I have for listeners is to try and develop some kind of relaxation process, meditation. I do a lot of mindfulness with 
my clients. And that's something that I'll be bringing into the group that I started up. You know, while infertility isn't caused by stress, despite what people may say, it can certainly cause stress. So intentionally learning a relaxation technique may be helpful. We do know that infertile women report higher levels of stress and anxiety than fertile women. And there's some indication that infertile women are more likely to become depressed. And this isn't that surprising considering how far the effects of infertility can reach in people's lives from work to family, money, sex. Finding ways to reduce stress and tension, anxiety, it can make you feel better. So there's so many ways to decrease stress, like learning relaxation techniques and stress management strategies. But things also like making sure you're eating well and exercising enough, which I know can be tough when you're dealing with infertility because there's lots of different restrictions around exercise. But it's something to be mindful of and remembering how to be good to yourself. What is helpful and what helps you reduce your stress? These are all things that I like to explore and encourage from people I work with and clients of mine. Yeah, that's such good stuff. And I hope that, you know, the people who are listening can understand that this is a difficult and, as we said before, sometimes very devastating process. And, you know, some people may not be feeling devastated and some people may be, but really understanding that you can have a range of feelings about this and it's all okay. And Mm -hmm. if you feel like you need support, there are places like Resolve and Rachel and a support group, some places to help people understand what's going on, process their feelings about it, get more skills to help manage. And you're giving some really good ones around meditation and breathing and relaxation and exercise mm-hmm. and eating. So there are a lot of things that can help cope and get through this period of time. And so it sounds like there are options for mom who are struggling to help yeah. them heal and cope and get through this really hard time. Yes, there are options. And sometimes it's kind of knowing what those options are, which is the biggest challenge, right? If you don't Mm -hmm. even know you have it, or if you know you have infertility, but feel really isolated, it's hard to know where to go to reach out for support. And so I did mention that Resolve, you can find support groups. You can also find individual practitioners, therapists, Mm -hmm. individual therapists. Uh, They also have a network of more physical health practitioners as well. So if you're looking Mm -hmm. for a reproductive endocrinologist or doctors, you can find them also on the Resolve website. Right. Thank you so much, Rachel. I would love to have you back. To, there are so many other things that we can talk about and get a little bit more in depth to some of the specifics that happen within this period of time. But I think this is a really good overview for moms and family members and providers. Maybe there are some providers out there listening who don't really understand, uh, mental health providers who don't fully understand how infertility can impact a mom. So I'm really hopeful that this conversation will help everyone to go and you know learn learn a little bit more and be compassionate with themselves and with the people that they're treating. I thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you, Kat. It's so great to be here. And I would love to come back and talk more about these really important issues with you. We'll do that. So for you guys who are listening, you can go to rachelrabinor.com. And you can also find Rachel on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and get lots of supportive information from her there. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you, Kat. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. 
If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.